Well, I am thankful to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 12. And uh, we've been walking through this book of Revelation. And this morning, we're in Revelation chapter number 12. And uh, talking today about the battle behind the scenes. The battle uh, behind the scenes. And uh, it's interesting in Scripture... You know, when I was a child, how, how, it's interesting in Scripture, let me finish my thought, how uh, oftentimes what we have happen is uh, something called uh, the law of recurrence in biblical interpretation. And all that simply means is that sometimes we have a, a, a picture, we have a statement, we have a story that's told, uh, and, then, and then Scripture, God by His Holy Spirit goes back and kind of fills in the blanks. It's kind of like when I was a child, I can remember... Uh, they used to do chalk talks. I don't know if any of y'all ever grew up in church where they did chalk talks, you know, where a guy would come up here or a lady would come up on a platform and uh, they would turn a light on and they'd start just on a blank sheet. They'd start sketching it out. And uh, it was always interesting to me to watch that uh, because they would tell a story through this chalk talk and, and that's why they called it a chalk talk. And, uh, and, so, and so when they were sketching it out, they would sketch it out and they would make these marks out here and kind of give this vague outline and it's like, wow, there it is. <clears throat> but you didn't really understand it all until they came back and started filling in uh, the details. And so, and so that's basically what the law of recurrence is in Scripture, kind of like uh, we've seen it a couple of different places in Scripture. Uh, Genesis chapter number one, we have the creation account uh, that happens, the, the six days of creation, the seventh God rested, and then chapter two, we go back and pick up, once again, uh, mankind and how exactly he created Man, although it was included in chapter 1, it's, it's again spoken of in chapter 2. And so in the book of Revelation, what, what happens is that, that that happens a couple of different times. In fact, we're in the midst of, uh, as, our, as we're walking, uh, the tribulation period. The tribulation period it is a seven-year period uh, to take place after the rapture of the church, and there will be a signing of a peace treaty between the Antichrist and the nation of Israel And it will last a total of seven years. That seven years is the period of tribulation on this planet. Never has there ever been a time like what's going to happen during this tribulation period. And so so what we have in chapter number six, it begins, right? John the Revelator starts writing about this tribulation period. And then all of a sudden, from six up through chapter number 11, he kind of jumps all the way down to the end. And, uh, and, and, and so now we're in chapter 12 where he goes back and he's picking up. We're right here at the middle point of the tribulation period. And he kind of picks up a little bit. He jumps to the end there. And there's reason for his writing, I believe. Uh, one of the reasons I believe he's writing in such a way and jumping all the way to the end is because the great tribulation, there's never been a time like it on the planet. In fact, it's going to get really deep and really dark as we move forward over the next couple of chapters through the book. But he wants to let us know that, hey, listen, before we get there, just know this, that in the end, we win. All right? In the end, we win. God is in control of all things. It might not look like it, but he is in control of all things. And so then he jumps back here in chapter number 12, and we see a little bit of a, of a stepping back, a little bit of a filling in of the blanks, a little bit of what's happening behind the scenes right here at this midpoint in the period of the tribulation. And so I'm, ta- I'm talking today about the battle <clears throat> that's raging behind the scenes. Chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, 
uh, and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth... Uh, he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them uh, in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in the heavens saying, verse number 10, now... The salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Verse 11, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you having great Great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two things, uh, but the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like like a river out of the mouth after uh, the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The battle behind the scenes. And uh, so, so we're going to break this down just a little bit. Uh, so the first six chapters have to do with the introduction of the characters that are going to be prevalent through this great tribulation period, all right? We have an introduction of characters uh, that are prevalent, the introduction of the characters, the main characters playing parts that we will see as we move forward. He begins in verse number one describing a woman in verse number one and verse number two. She's clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head uh, were a crown of 12 stars. And then it goes on from there. And so it's, it's, it's important that you identify who are these characters, who is John speaking of, who is God describing in this uh, introduction of the characters to be played. And so this first character, uh, first of all, let me just say who it's not. Uh, it's not the Virgin Mary. Some people have looked at this scripture and said, well, it's got to be the Virgin Mary uh, because she was with child. And, uh, and so I would say, no, it's not the Virgin Mary because she didn't have to flee 
for three and a half years out into the wilderness where God Almighty would take care of her. And so we have that much information to let us know that's not who it is, nor is it the church. Some people uh, say, well, this is a picture describing the church. Well, it's not describing the church because uh, Jesus Christ didn't come from the church. The church came through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. So it's not the church either. And so this is a picture describing the nation of Israel. Who is this woman? This woman happens to be, again, the nation of Israel. If you go back into the Old Testament, in, in this passage of Scripture, again, just remember that John the Revelator, he's using symbolic language. In other words, <clears throat> we're not talking literally here. We're talking figuratively. And if you look back into the Old Testament, what you see is the same picture in a dream that happened with Joseph. Do you remember the dream of Joseph, the little boy with the coat? of many colors, and, 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 and he told his brothers about the dream, the brothers and he being the 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, and he described his dream in Genesis 37 and in verse number 9. Now, he had still another dream, and he related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And he goes on from there, but it's just, again, a description of the nation of Israel, the picture being painted. But not only do we see that in Genesis, also Romans chapter number nine talks about this child, this child to be born and who this child came from. Romans chapter nine, verses four and five. And the Bible says this Who are the Israelites, this nation? Uh, to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers and from whom and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. And so first of all, we have this nation again of Israel and the Bible describes her uh, uh, and she was with child. The child would be again Jesus. We're going to get there in a minute. Uh, and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. And so when you're talking about this nation of Israel, when you look to their beginnings, we have seen a nation that has been persecuted. There's an unparalleled amount of persecution that happens against the nation of Israel. Why is that? Well, it's because through their nation, through their loins, through their lineage, we would have the Redeemer. And so the devil, ever since the beginning, has been against the nation of Israel. And so we have seen intense persecution happening. There's no other people group that can even claim that their persecution is even one smidge close. In fact, if you would argue such, it's just simply saying, hey, I'm really ignorant when it comes to history. If you look back at history, you would see that the nation of Israel has been at odds, in fact, with the rest of the world, the rest of the planet, but behind the scenes. What's happening behind the scenes? The devil has been assaulting the nation. If you go back, for example, Pharaoh, we know that Pharaoh, when the nation of Israel was in Egypt, Pharaoh said, hey, I'm going to kill every little boy that's born to this nation because we got to stop the growth. Well, he doesn't know that he's just a puppet in the plan that the devil is behind the scenes working, saying, hey, we're going to try to get rid of the Redeemer. Not only there, but if you read through, and, and, and I'm just giving a, a, a brief summary, 
But if you read through and you get to the book of Esther, in the book of Esther, what we see in the book of Esther is we see a dude named Haman. And Haman was another puppet being used by the devil simply trying to exterminate God's people. We're going to kill them all. We're going to get rid of them all. And it's, and it's just simply the devil has been assaulting them time and time and time and time and time again. And so there has been great pain because why they have had this child that they have been carrying. And it even continues after the fact. We're going to pick that up in just a minute. So the woman in verses 1 and 2 would be the nation of Israel. Verses 3 and 4 give us a picture and a description uh, uh, in verses 3 and 4 of a red dragon. The Bible says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And so when you're talking about this red dragon, uh, there's, there's, he's identified. In fact, if you read down further, verse number nine gives us the identification. Who is the red dragon? Well, the red dragon is a description of the devil. Now, here's where we have to be careful. He's not red and he's not a dragon, all right? This is symbolic language. And and, then there's been a misconception. There's a lot of misconceptions about uh, the devil. In fact, uh, he's not a a, a red dude dressed up uh, with a pitchfork uh, guarding hell and just kind of causing those people that come there to shovel coal. Uh, you know, we have all these different si- th- these different ideas about who the devil is. Do you know? Do you know that the devil is not even in hell today? He's not even in hell, and and, and we're going to get there in just a minute. But one day, one day, he will be forever, forever, forever banished to the lake of fire. One day. But today, in fact, not only is he not in hell, but he has access to heaven even today. But he's given, he's, he's given this description. Why the red dragon? Well, because red is that color of bloodshed. Bloodshed because he's a murderer and a killer. That's exactly what he is. He's a ferocious beast is what he is. It's just simply giving symbolic language about who the devil is. No, he's not red. No, he's not a dragon. But he is a ferocious beast that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he has always done, and that's what he will always do. In fact, the Bible says it in John chapter number 8. In John chapter 8 in verse number 44, the Bible says this, you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, uh, he speaks from his own nature for he's a liar and the father of lies. And he gives this description and he talks here Uh, in these verses of Scripture about his heads and his horns uh, and his seven diadems. And we're going to pick that up as we move forward. Uh, It's going to be covered again in chapter 13 and again in chapter 17. Today I'm not going into what those represent. I'm just simply saying this is a description, again, of the devil. And he gives uh, his beginnings. He says, "And, and, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And it's just describing where he came from and what happened. You know that the devil was created. And when he was created, he was the most beautiful being ever to be created. Blessed with wisdom, incredibly good looking, and very much gifted. And yet he said, man, I want to be like God. In fact, I want to be worshipped. And, and, and it was there in the heavenlies that he was kicked out of, but not only he himself, but one-third of the angels 
were kicked out who were following him. His tail knocked them down. In fact, if you go back in the Old Testament, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, the Bible talks and gives a little description. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, sun of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. You know, when you're talking about the testimony of the devil, uh, the testimony of the devil is the epitome of what we read about in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 16 and verse number 18. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18, the Bible says it, Like this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. One third of the angels that God had created for his own bidding chose the wrong leader, chose the wrong side. Well, I will follow the wrong individual. You know, we all have decisions to make. It's not just the angels in the heavens that make those decisions as to who they're going to hang with and who they're going to follow. It, it, it really does matter who you decide to hang with and who you decide to follow. In fact, when you're talking about the big picture, let me just go ahead and get there. I'm going to get there later. I'll probably repeat it, but it's worth repeating, and that is this. There is no neutral when it comes to spiritual things. Either I'm a friend of God or an enemy of God. I'm not in neutral. I'm either walking with him in his direction or I'm against him as an enemy. Whose side are you on? That's the question that's got to be asked. Whose side are you on? You're on the side of the losing team, (laughs) which is the devil. It matters who you hang with. It does matter. In fact, the Bible says it like this, 1 Corinthians, and this is a great verse for us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 33. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Hey, we're living in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Well, his tail swept a third of the angels. So we have these fallen angels plaguing the planet, working against us. And so a lot of times people say, man, that's terrible, terrible. But you know, the good news about it is this. Although there's a third of them, uh, there's two good ones for every bad one. (laughs) There's two good ones still for every bad one. But he goes on and he says, and the dragon stood before the woman. Who's the woman? The nation of Israel. And, and, and when, when the nation was of Israel was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. In verse number four, it's simply a picture again of, uh, if you remember the story of when Jesus Christ was born, when Jesus Christ was born in the little town of Bethlehem, there came uh, to the city of Jerusalem some magi. You remember the story? The magi come to town And they asked the question when they arrived in Jerusalem, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? And Herod said, oh, oh, I'm not sure. But he went and found out and he said, hey, why don't y'all go and check where he's been found and come back and let me know so that I might worship him. Well, the Bible tells us he wasn't about to worship him. He wanted to kill him. 
So what was Herod? Well, Herod was another pawn in the hands of the devil just simply trying to get rid of the Redeemer and thwart the plans of God. The Bible says in Matthew, over in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2 and in verse number 16, the Bible says in Matthew 2, verse 16, then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. The devil's plan was to thwart it. And then the Bible goes on to describe the male child in verses 5 and 6. The male child in verses 5 and 6. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her, children, or her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And then it jumps into verse number 6. Uh, but it's interesting. This is a reference, again, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about a messianic psalm uh, in Psalm 2 and in verses number 8 and 9 using the same language. The Bible says, ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance in the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. That Jesus Christ, again, uh, would one day rule this nation. It's his to rule. He's coming back to rule one day. What a day that's going to be. It's not going to be like today. Uh, It's going to be where he is ruling on this planet, and when he's ruling on this planet, there won't be any wars, there's not gonna be any tears, there's not gonna be any sorrow, there won't be any heartache, there won't be any death. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That is who we're talking about in verse number five. It's interesting because I I look at that verse in verse number five and I say, man, that's kinda like a tombstone description of Jesus Christ, a tombstone description. What do you mean a tombstone? You ever looked on a tombstone? And what you have on a tombstone is you have a birthday and you have a death day, and that's kinda like what we have. We have just simply a dash in the, in the middle. And so he's saying, hey, listen, he was born, he was born, uh, and then he ascended. Well, he didn't, he, didn't include, he didn't include the life. He didn't include 33 and a half years. He didn't talk about the life. He didn't talk about the crucifixion. He didn't talk about the burial. He didn't talk about the resurrection. He just simply said he came and he ascended to the right hand of the throne of God. He's just simply saying, hey, this Jesus Christ, he is the ruler of the whole world, and he's the one that the devil cannot stand and wants to go against. It's a battle behind the scenes that's happening. And all of a sudden, in verse number six, the Bible says, then the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God uh, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And so if you're reading through here, if you're reading through this passage of Scripture, the question has to be asked, well, what in the world happened here? We didn't even get much of the description of Jesus Christ, but this nation of Israel, through whom she through whom Jesus Christ came, why, why is she having to flee? Why and when does she flee? The nation of Israel. And so that's a great question, and I believe that he answers that question. We're right here in the middle of the tribulation period. What's happening in this tribulation period? Well, again, the tribulation began with the signing of a, of a peace treaty between the Antichrist and the nation of Israel, where they reestablished, they rebuilt their temple, they reestablished temple worship, and, uh, and things were going well. They felt like, man, we're at peace. Finally, we got peace on the earth. And so what happened in the middle of the 
peace treaty at the three and a half year mark, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27, it will be broken. This is to be. It has not happened yet. This will happen during the tribulation period. It will be broken. What is the, what is the events leading to the breaking of the covenant? Well, here's, here's a couple of things. First, let me describe to you from Jesus Christ's own words what's going to happen when it's broken. What's going to happen at the middle of this three and a half year period? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 and following, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, in other words, the Antichrist assuming his position on the throne within, within the temple, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand, verse 16, Matthew 24. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountain. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. And he's just simply saying, hey, that's what's going to happen. Well, what is it? What is it that caused this to happen? What is it that sent seemingly the devil over the edge? And so he goes on in verse number seven, and he gives what I believe to be the instigation of the great tribulation, verse number seven and following. The Bible says, and there was a star uh, in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. You know what he's simply saying? He's saying, hey, listen. Today, now we're back to us. Today, the devil has access to heaven. Did you know that? He, he, he's, not, he's not locked away in hell. He's not locked away, banished to the eternal lake of fire yet. It will be one day, but today he still has access to heaven. But there's coming a day when God's going to say, enough, it's time, it is time. And in that moment, Michael, the archangel, is going to lead the rest of his angels, and they're going to come, and they're going to they're going to give a beat down to the devil and banish him forever from the presence of God Almighty. And he's going to be banished at that time just simply to earth. And so he comes to earth enraged, ticked off at God. So could you imagine what this earth will be dealing with when they have a devil who comes really enraged? That's where the three and a half year great tribulation Begins. That's what's happening behind the scenes. Do you know, because <clears throat> some people say, man, are you sure that he has access? 
Do you know the story of Job? When you look back to the story of Job, great theology in the story of Job, but in the story of Job, in Job chapter number one, the sons of God came into the presence of God Almighty, and who came with them? The devil. The devil. And God asked him a question. Hey, where have you come from? He said, I've been, I've been going to and fro on the face of the earth. And you know, God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's blameless and upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. And you know what that old stinking accuser did? He accused him. He said, well, you know why? You know why? Not because you're worthy. It's because you blessed him. You take everything he's got and he'll curse you. What was he doing? He was accusing the saints of God and the presence of God. And the Bible says he does that night and day, every day. And he's still doing that today. But he won't be doing that forever because there will come a day when God's going to say, hey, Michael, go deal with that turkey. (laughs) And it will happen. Do you know when you're talking about Hell, in fact, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, I'm not going to give, read, but I'm just simply saying Matthew 25, 41, you can read all about it. But the hell is a place prepared for the devil and his demons. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all may have eternal life. But there will be those no different than the angels who followed the loser that will spend their eternity in a place called hell. It's a decision that's got to be made. There's going to be intense persecution that happens. The Bible says in verse number 12, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. So they're rejoicing in the heavens. And I'm going to pick up 11 in case you're wondering. But woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. His days are numbered. He's like a caged animal, raging. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. The nation of Israel, during that three and a half year period, it will be intense persecution against the Jews on this planet, such as has never been had before. And everybody in this room should be aware of the Holocaust that has happened, but I'm telling you before God Almighty, the Holocaust does not even begin to compare to what the devil's going to do to the nation of the Jews during that period of time. It's a dark day. Verse 15, and the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. (laughs) We're not sure whether that is a literal flood or not. I would say it's probably not a literal flood, but simply that all hell was unleashed like a raging river towards the nation of Israel. Verse 17, 
and I'm just talking about the persecution. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. <clears throat> there will be intense persecution in that three and a half year period. But even then, even then, God in his goodness <clears throat> limits and even protects his people from the persecution. The Bible says in verse 14 through 16, read the story with me. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, to the nation of Israel. You know, it's interesting, again, symbolic language. When you look through the Old Testament, he oftentimes talks about his protection of his people uh, being hidden under the wings of eagles. In other words, when you're talking about how an eagle will protect her young under her wings. If you ever see an eagle with her wing, with her young ones under her wings, don't go mess with that eagle. <laughs> but the two wings were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. You see what he's saying? He's saying, hey, he's going to supernaturally protect some people will say, well, 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 where's that place? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that place. Remember, sometimes we just have these mysteries in Scripture. It doesn't tell us exactly where it's going to be. Some people say it's going to be on Petra. Well, I don't know whether it's going to be on Petra. I don't know where it's going to be. All I know is he's going to hide them under his wings, and he's going to supernaturally provide and protect his people during that period. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Watch verse 16. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And so the dragon recognized they're under the sovereign protection of God. So I got to go find somebody else. And he does. And he does. <clears throat> but God's protection. Who can stand? In a day like that. Who can stand in a day like that? Well, the Bible says here's salvation. Here's, here's the protection. Here's where it comes. <clears throat> Verse number... Let's back up to 10 and go into 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren uh, has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. They did not love their life even uh, when faced with death. You know, there's salvation in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and it's only because of him that anyone is able to stand, whether that be today or in the midst of the tribulation period. Now, if you've been walking along with us, I believe the church is raptured at the beginning. So if you're saved today, we're not even talking. This is not necessarily pertaining to us. However, we do have spiritual battles that are raging every day. How do you stand? The Bible says there's this picture kind of sort of that's going on. And we have an accuser. We have an adversary, the devil. And he's saying, hey, you see that Brian down there? He's a sorry turkey.
He's prideful. He's a liar. He's lustful. He's a thief. I have an adversary. And he's telling my goods to God. And can I tell you something? In that moment, he's not lying. But can I tell you something else? I don't just have an adversary. (laughs) I have an advocate. I have a defense attorney. Oh, I got a prosecutor. (laughs) But I've got a defense attorney. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. So the devil can accuse, but he can't condemn. And so my advocate says, yeah, but Father, he's been washed in the blood. He's, he's clean. He's righteous. It's as if, it's as if he's never sinned before. Who is able to stand? Those who have been washed in the blood. Those who confess Jesus Christ is Lord of all. You know, the Bible says over in Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 verses number 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So he's saying there's a cleansing that happens in the blood. There's a confession that happens with the mouth and a commitment that, hey, Jesus is Lord of my life, and I will follow him. Come what may, I will follow him. You see, there's only two choices. You're either following God or you're following the devil. See, I'm not following the devil. You're either following God or you're following the devil. And so the question's got to be asked, who, who are you following? Who are you following? And how do you stand before God? For God so loves the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus into this world not to condemn us of our sins because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that he might, that we might be saved. How are we saved? 100% by grace through faith. It's not because of my work. It's not because of what I do. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that he shed his blood for my sins. And it covered me completely. Every sin I have committed to this point or ever will commit, I am clean. Aren't you thankful? That is good news. That is good news. And one day, we're going to see him face to face. And the question is, are you ready for that day? Are you ready 
for that day. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer this morning? As we pray today, I just want to invite you. Are you saved? Are you saved? Have you been born again? I'm not talking about being religious and going to church. I'm talking about being born again. Man, a time in my life when I recognize, man, I need Jesus Christ because I know I'm a sinner. And I want Jesus to forgive me and cleanse me. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to live my life for Him. And if you're not saved, I'm inviting you to call on His name today. Call on His name today. 